A quick warning that this episode contains some strong language. From Nora. All right, it's uh, Friday morning, and it's around 7 o'clock. And I'm off to start my clinical trial. Uh, I actually slept really good last night, so... I think that was a sign. I never sleep good before big days. Um, and I just slept like a baby last night. So I think that was my body's way of telling me, hey, chill out, get a good night's sleep, and good things are going to happen. So I'm going to put a lot of faith in this clinical trial. And today marks a new chapter in my life as I start my third clinical trial to treat my lung cancer. So I'm actually looking forward to this. So last night was a good start to this new journey. So I'm rested up and off we go. McNerney. And this is terrible. Thanks for asking. Justin is 27 years old. He's handsome. He's married. Sorry, everyone. And he's got stage four lung cancer. From what I can see, it's a usual day uh, on floor 7B. I am probably youngest patient here by about 20 years today. You just don't see a lot of people my age dealing with what I'm dealing with. So it's a pretty dreary day in Boston. Not much sunlight shining through the windows. We've been talking to Justin for more than a year. When we first met him, we gave him a recording kit and we asked him to document what it's like to live with terminal cancer. I'm actually going to fire up the mic and I'll bring you guys right into the room as I get ready to take my very first dose of medicine. The anxiety's running pretty high right now. Um, Unfortunately, I'm probably expecting my blood pressure to be somewhere between 140 over 80 and 150 over 90, which is really high blood pressure, so... It's weird to be the first person to try this, so someone's got to. Let's be clear right from the start. Outside of something like a horrible accident, like being eaten by a bear or hit by a car, lung cancer will kill Justin. It's just that no one knows exactly when. You're being recorded, by the way, Lisa. I know, I kind of figured that with that big microphone right there. Justin. Watch your mouth. So, this says, this is how you take these. Pull backside trigger and lift tab here. See, press in and pull back. When he recorded this in late September of 2017, 
Justin was just starting his fourth clinical trial of new medication. This is so embarrassing. That means that three times before, he's been put on an experimental medication that has not yet been approved by the FDA. No, I think you're supposed to keep your finger in there, though. And three times before, it has helped him. I think it, yeah, press in, pull back, and hold the trigger in the... And three times before, it has stopped helping him. Yeah, but now it's... Oh, okay. While lifting tab on front to... Okay. Okay, good. So those things are minuscule. This time, as he sits on a cloudy day at Mass General Hospital in Boston, Justin is one of only 12 people in the world to be given this new drug as a test. And he's the first person to start, which is why nobody knows how to open the medication. You all of a sudden stop puking your guts out. Stop the drug. Don't say, okay, I'm going to puke my gut, and I know you because you take it anyway. Don't. Let us figure out what's going on. Not if, if you really have reactions and you know the only thing that's introduced is this new drug, then you need to st not take the next doses and call us. All right? Pills are officially in my system. Ooh, ooh. I expect good things with the combination, so. So, lung cancer is awful, duh, and also awful are all the judgments that come along with it. People hear lung cancer, and they assume smoker, and I guess from there they just kind of think you deserve it? For what it's worth, Justin was not a smoker. He wouldn't have deserved it anyways, but he was not a smoker, and his cancer is genetic. Stage 4A? ALK, non-small cell lung cancer. Justin was 22 when he was diagnosed. He was getting ready for his 23rd birthday, and he had been feeling increasingly and alarmingly short of breath. And, I mean, that's unusual when you're 22. And he did something equally unusual for a 22-year-old. I have to say he went to the doctor. Unfortunately, I can remember it like it, was, it happened five minutes ago. So he said, hey, Justin, uh, we got your results back. Why don't you bring your mom and dad and we'll sit down. And I knew right there, uh, they don't tell you at 22 years old to bring your mom and dad to your appointment unless it's something bad. So we sat down and he pushed a box of tissues across his desk and he said, Justin, you got lung cancer. And, of course, both my parents, they just started erupting in tears. And I, I actually didn't cry because I, I didn't know what to do. I, I didn't know, should I cry? Should I throw up? What do I do? So my, my stomach just completely turned, flipped right upside down. And I, uh, I just put my head down. I said, uh, I need a minute. I couldn't breathe. I had cancer. And I just remember, I'm like, ah, now I got to tell people. I don't want to tell people this. Justin's doctor told him that his life expectancy was four months. When I met Justin, it had been 
five years. Five years with a disease that has no cure. Justin is living in a space that most of us are not, this sort of limbo that's really hard for most of us to even try to imagine. And I've said it before, but whenever people are like, well, you know, none of us know when we're going to die. We could all die at any time. I get real irritated because, sure, technically that's true, but most of us don't have to live that way. Most of us don't have that specter of death looming behind us the same way that Justin does. The same way that Justin has for five years. Justin is still here. He still has a life to live. He got married to his sweetheart, Michelle, and the two of them want things like a house of their own and kids. And in that way, they're like most of their friends or most people their age. They look like most people their age. I met the two of them at the Massachusetts general event called The 100. It's a yearly event that honors 100 people in the world of cancer. And brag, 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 I was an honoree. Justin was a guest. He was sitting at my table and I asked him, what are you doing at this table? I mean, I just assumed like he was a rich person, like a, I don't know, just like a benefactor sitting at our table. But I asked him, why are you sitting here making conversation and he said he has cancer, and I mean, I assume like, oh, I must have misheard this man. You know, he's young, he's handsome, he looks very healthy. He had cancer, like you had cancer, past tense. And his wife said, no, 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 he has stage four lung cancer. The language that we use around illness, especially cancer, is one that can sometimes be oppressively positive. We have to fight through it, battle it out. We are just warriors on a cancer journey, which sounds very adventurous, but the cancer journey is tedious. And the person with cancer is often in the unenviable role of caring for the people around them, of setting the tone for everyone who cares about them. And what motivates a group of people is not the reality that this will kill you. It's hope. It's positivity. Which, I mean, it makes sense. All of us want to live. We all want to feel positive. None of us want to feel hopeless. I'm just saying there's also difficulty in that. And that difficulty can be hard to see. When the person who is sick is really doing their best, when they're smiling through it, and Justin is positive. He's really smiling. He's just naturally positive. Over the last five years, I've just had so many people say that I've encouraged them because of, you know, how I've looked at cancer and what I've overcome. And, you know... When someone comes up to you and says, wow, that was, that was really inspiring and you've, you've gave me hope and you've made me want to fight, that I think that kind of gives me the fight that it, it's going to take a lot for me to give up. Five years is, is pretty good for a stage four diagnosis, especially that's metastasized to the brain, but... There's people out there with my type of cancer that are going on years seven, eight, nine. So 
there's a lot of fight still left in me. Justin is sometimes agonizingly positive, but he's also neck deep in the reality of this life. And this life is hard. This life means walking the razor's edge between optimism and delusion, between living for the now and planning with your wife for a future that may or may not include you. Between being open and honest with the people you love and also not wanting to bum them out. This episode is a combination of Justin's own recordings and my conversations with him. It's just a little peek into that life. A life where the big dream is not to eliminate your cancer, but to just live with it. To live in this space as long and as well as you can. Justin's treatments all take place at MassGen, which is in Boston. It is a great hospital. But Justin doesn't live in Boston. So I live in Wells, Maine, which is a tourist town. So I'm used to traffic. But nothing compares to Boston traffic. I swear, it's everyone is cutting you off to try and save a second. So we had a two and a half hour ride in and a two-and-a-half-hour ride home. So that adds up, you know, having these long days with these long commutes. The commute and the treatment schedule and the fact that it's lung cancer all means that Justin can't work. His work now is having cancer and treating it. His work is paying attention to his body and the way it's reacting to a new drug. His work is staying alive, and that is a lot of work. So when you go on to a clinical trial, you basically have an IV in you, and they're taking blood samples every hour to see how your body is processing the drugs that they're giving you. And then if they decide that you're, it's going good, then they start seeing you every week. And then if it goes really good, you get bumped out to two weeks. And then on the third week, it starts all over again, and they redo a visit, blood draws, they check your EKG, and then to limit the amount of radiation that your body sees, uh, you get scanned every six weeks. So what we call scan day, I get up at four in the morning, I have to be to Boston for seven, and we usually leave Boston sometime around 4 or 5 and get home around 7 or 8 that night because we actually get the results the day of. And if we get good results, I start treatment that afternoon. A scan day is a huge anxiety trigger for Justin. It means seeing what, if anything, these experimental treatments are actually doing to him. Every six weeks, he's shown the truth, whether his cancer is growing or not. Hey, everyone. So we just arrived at MGH Chelsea, and I just went through all the paperwork process, and it is now happy hour. Happy hour at MGH 
Chelsea consist of three cocktail drinks that absolutely no one wants to drink. They're CT contrast drinks and they mix them with juice and they taste terrible. When it enters your system, your whole body gets hot, warm, and tingly. And it makes you feel like you're wetting your pants. So it's not really a great sensation, I'm not gonna lie. For the first two years, I'm like, all right, did, did, I, did I just do that? Or is this a medicine? So I'm finally now thoroughly convinced that it's just the medicine and I don't have to check to see what just happened. You actually might be able to hear the brain MRI machine in the background. That's how loud it is. So I'm on drink number two. I still have one more drink to go. My scans are going to take about two hours, two and a half. That's after they place my IV. The brain MRI alone is 45 minutes, but I'm not going to lie. After having them every six weeks for the last five years, I fall asleep. It sounds weird because you have what sounds like a backup alarm and a vibrating tube, but you just get so used to them that what else are you going to do for 45 minutes? The more you move, the blurrier the image is, so they want you to lay as still as possible, which I'm good at. They always say how good I do, but it's just getting harder. Your head is on a stretcher board for 45 minutes with no padding. It feels like you're laying on a rock. So you're in this dark room with no windows, no music. Usually the room's about 50 degrees to keep the germs down, so they say, but today it was a pleasant 65 in the room. Justin is hoping every time he gets in that noisy MRI machine for a good scan. A good scan would change everything, right? Well... Those good results may only last for six weeks. So that's kind of what's difficult about this disease, is that it's a small celebration. So for me, unfortunately, if I get a good scan, I'm, always, I'm already looking towards the next six weeks. All right, is, is that scan going to look good? If a trial stops working, if the scans aren't good in a specific way or they're not good for too long, Justin returns to his medical team and they talk about options. And really, there are two. In my case, it is a life or death situation. Um, it was standard chemotherapy, which is tried and true, but it's not great or this new clinical trial. We are going to take a quick break. We'll be back. Aren't we always? 
and we're back. I told you. I told you we'd be back. Starting these clinical trials with no one on them, you don't know how your body's going to react when you put these drugs in them. And unfortunately, the only information we have right now is on laboratory mice. So I am basically a human guinea pig. The way I look at it is the next person that starts this clinical trial, maybe I could help them, you know? They'll have me on the clinical trial, and that might make them feel better. They can reach out to me for support or ask how I'm doing. So I'm really looking forward to this clinical trial, and you're not going to advance medicine without people taking risk and... I'm ready to take this risk. Justin's anxiety comes up over and over, and not just around scans or starting new trials. Since his diagnosis, Justin has been using Ativan to treat his anxiety, but he's maxed out his dosage, and it's not working, or it's not working enough. MassGen actually has a pretty incredible mental health program specifically for people with cancer. And Justin's medical team really wants him to try seeing a therapist. The anxiety is coming from a real place, right? You have, you have real issues, real reasons to be, to be anxious. And yep. I don't want to keep escalating the Ativan dose, uh, one, because your body doesn't, you know, it's going to keep needing more and more. But again, two, because it's not going to get at the issues, right? Like, yeah, it just kind of lets me get through my day yes. without going into panic and, attacks. And that's fine. And I want you to use it yes. to help prevent the panic attacks. And if you ever get that feeling like you had this week that you're like, oh, that was a panic attack, that's exactly when you use it, right? It can help break the cycle. You know, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you get anxious, you get anxious about being anxious, and then all these racing thoughts, the Ativan can kind of stop and stop it. Um, and I didn't know what you thought about seeing somebody. Um, we, I'm always not the best at like talking to strangers. You're a yeah, man yeah. in your twenties. <laughs> I know this. Like um, I meet someone new. I'm like, hey, wait till you hear the last five years of my life. <laughs> right. You yeah, know, know, the guy's gonna be like, holy shit. And uh, yeah, we we get that. Uh, we get yeah. that. But like, kind of what's underlying all of this, right? Like, this is not how you really would love to be spending your time. And I think that that needs to be validated. It's like, when you come every week and you see that on your schedule, it's a reminder every day of why you're coming here, right? Mm -hmm. It is. It's a little little bit easier for a couple days to have some quote-unquote normalcy when you're coming every three weeks, but when you're coming every week, it's Okay, like your whole week is structured around Why this. are you doing oh, it? Well, because oh, I yeah. have cancer. Yeah. Oh, okay. And that's, mm. you know, it's just a slap in the yeah. face each and every time. But we, we, <clears throat> we understand that this is, and we're asking a lot of you, but it's also, you know, your life. And so we're interrupting it all the time, and you're here, and you're doing well, and you're fine, and blah, blah, blah. But overall, you got, on the inside, so then, this still sucks. I'm still a young guy. I got other things to think about, but I got to get down to Boston. So it is 
Monday, September 18th. I have just took my fourth morning's dose of the new clinical trial. I think I'm starting to see a little bit of side effects this morning. I don't feel great. It's uh, combined with some anxiety right now just because this is the first morning that I have really seen any side effects. So they're not too bad. I am going to try and work through them and keep my anxiety down and keep my mind off it and just keep carrying on, I think. Um, I did make it through the weekend Two of my best friends got married Saturday And I enjoyed the wedding And I felt great for the whole wedding I hung out till past midnight It was a really good night So it's uh, Friday, September 22nd, it's around 8 o'clock in the morning, and I'm headed to my first checkup at MGH since starting my clinical trial. I want to know how my body's reacting, for sure, so this will be a pretty good indication But I'm also nervous, is there anything going on that could possibly kick me off the trial, stop me from taking my medicine, those sort of things. So it's kind of a happy medium going into this appointment. I have had to take a little bit of extra anxiety medicine all week. Uh, My anxiety has been really high. It's just scary being on a drug that no one else is on for the first time. I thought I was going to do better than I'm actually doing, so it's a lot of mind over matter right now. I just got to kind of talk myself out of it and say everything's fine and you need to be on this and you're going to be okay, but anxiety happens uh, when you're the only person on a clinical trial and you don't know what's going to happen. There's always fear. Uh, no matter how strong you are. The first week went, besides anxiety, yeah. I didn't have any physical But we're side hoping effects. that this is how it continues. So. Once I just start getting like good blood work results yeah. and yeah. the heart echo goes yeah. good and yeah. things like that and I know my body's gonna... But Justin, how old are you? 27. Okay, how many other 27-year-olds are out there wondering about an echo or their blood work on a regular I know. basis? Not that many. Mm. you got to look at Ooh. it that way. Like, yes, you are actually in an extraordinary circumstance. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. You're managing a lot of this by yourself, so, yep. and I don't think that you need to be doing that like there is a huge system here there's people who have jobs and who are <laughs> that is their job this, yeah but it's not you're by yourself because you have great family no i know like, wonderful friends but but do you really want to like call someone up exactly. when they're at work and be like yeah hey i got a bunch of anxiety right now because yeah. now you just messed their whole day up 
Right. And now they're worried about you when... Right. I hate putting that on. I've put enough on people. I don't think anybody really Your friends and your family want to do that for you, but part of this is like kind of getting to that point where you're comfortable letting that. Yeah. And and that's a huge thing between me and his mother, you know, we're constantly worried about him. I'm constantly, you know, what can I do? What can I do? And I I know it bugs him. It it drives him nuts, and we end up clashing. I know. Everybody no, I, yeah. I know. And, for and you I don't too, to have some bottle it up, resource. but sometimes I'm like, hey, 27. Like you said, yeah. Like, I'm glad I have caring parents. And then on the other end, it's like, I'm 27 with a wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got this. Mm-hmm. This is a really good point about mental health because it's easy to say, hey, reach out when you need someone, but what is Justin supposed to lay on people and when? And with all of his appointments, can you really blame him for not wanting to add another one to the mix? Can you blame him for not wanting to add in another medication? Four more months go by. Months of medication and blood draws and MRIs and CAT scans. Months of living six weeks at a time. And the scans have not been great. The tumors have been growing, and that progression has been accelerating. So, it's not working. So we actually saw probably the most progression we've seen in a really long time. That's why we had to cancel vacation. When we talk in January, Justin is set to go in for another scan. And it's really, really important that it goes well. Lately, things haven't been the greatest. Um, we've been so we're kind of there right now. So Friday is a big day. Friday is a real big day. Really big day. I really don't know what Friday's going to bring. I, I don't feel worse. I don't feel better. But in hindsight, you're really not going to know if the tumors grew two more centimeters. Which I hope they didn't. If they did, what would that mean? (sighs) I honestly, I really don't know what that would mean. Uh, I don't, I really don't know. My anxiety has been so high, like with the bad scans, I, I just think that lately it's been too much to even talk about uh, 
future treatments at this point because I can only handle so much in a day. And lately it's been a lot to handle. Especially, unfortunately, around the holidays. That was kind of what made it even worse. Like, was this my last Christmas that I just celebrated with my family? Or do I have 10 more Christmases? But you don't say that. You don't tell people that. I don't look at my wife and say, hey, Merry Christmas. I hope this isn't our last. Hope you got me a good gift. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, She's thinking that stuff too, though, just so you know. Oh, she is. Mm. And... So I hope you got her a good gift. Always. (laughs) Today is... Friday, January 19th, 2018, and I just arrived at MGH Cancer Center for Scan Day. Um, It's a nice winter day down here in Boston, high of 30 degrees. It's going to be a long day. Um, We have brain MRI, chest, abdomen, CT ahead of us, lab draws, a doctor's visit to go over scan results and pending good scan results we're going to get some infusion pending bad scan results we have to figure out a game plan moving forward so it's going to be a long day anxiety is definitely running sky high i have already took some anxiety medicine to help offset it um blood pressure is up there quite a bit too so I'll keep you guys posted. So, we just received scan results, and we saw significant shrinkage in the lungs. We saw the fluid is gone in my lungs. And we saw that my three brain lesions are currently stable. So today is a really, really good day. Uh, It's been a very long time since we have seen good scans. Um, Probably about nine months now. So uh, this was a big day, a very big day. So... It's going to be a good weekend. Time to finally relax and let this all settle in and prepare for the next scan in six more weeks. Um, It's a good day. Always keep the faith. You never know what's going to happen.
It's now June. It's been five months since that scan day, but because we want you to have the latest breaking news, Hans and I call Justin again. A lot has changed since Justin got that first scan and started that fourth trial. Hello? Nora. Justin Perry, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing good. You are? How are you? Are you truly yeah. doing, are you truly? Don't fuck with me, you know what our show's about, okay? <laughs> that trial, it didn't work. Neither did the next one, or the next one. I failed two clinical trials. My breathing wasn't that great. I had over 700 milliliters of fluid drained out of my right lung because I couldn't breathe. I had radiation to my left lung because I had a tumor growing. Justin is now on his seventh clinical trial. I had a doctor's Friday, and it was it was a good report. Good. All they said is that I got high cholesterol. So, I mean, what the heck? I'm hopefully, possibly, maybe things are on the upswing. That's a big maybe, and that's a big hopefully. This new trial has a success rate of 33%. So we're an optimistic 33%, but some people the drug works on for, I mean, there's one lady on it four years. So it's, it's all going to be if I can get this drug to work long enough till it hits FDA approval, and then they can start combining this drug with other drugs to try and make it more potent to resist more mutations. We kind of call it like one of the last resort. It's very potent, and they don't like using it until all the other drugs won't work. So if this doesn't work, I mean... I mean, what? Radiation? No, unfortunately, it would probably be like... I would either stop treatment or standard chemotherapy. Justin has now seen three different therapists to help manage his anxiety. None of them have really stuck, but he's still trying. And he keeps fundraising, and not for himself, even though Clinical trials are expensive, often for the person who is in them. Stay tuned for an episode on that. We're just going to have to do a whole spinoff series called Nora Thinks This is BS. But here's the thing about Justin. Every time we talk to him, he's doing a fundraiser for like another person who has cancer or for like research for a different kind of cancer. He was like, oh, yeah, you know, just got back from this weekend, we did a walk. We raised $1,800 for pancreatic cancer. My wife and I, like, it's, I don't know, he just wants to be a help to other people. That's kind of my way of opening up is being like, all right, enough about me. Can we try and make someone else's life better? It helps me, I guess, in a way. 
Justin and his wife are not living six weeks at a time anymore. They're living two weeks at a time with side effects. I have a lot of tingling in my hands and mostly in my hands um, so far. A little memory, like if Michelle says, hold on for a second, I have no clue what I was holding on to for a thought. So we have to go start from the beginning again. Names are a little bit of a struggle, but there could be a lot worse side effects that I could be seeing that I'm not seeing, so. Justin and his wife, Michelle, are taking some trips this summer. Probably, probably, hopefully. They're doing their best to live in those two-week spaces as much as they can. The next six weeks involve a trip to Buffalo, New York, one of my favorite places. We are going to visit um, some of Michelle's friends, but me being a food junkie, I love the food out there, and I actually like the seven-hour drive because it's kind of peaceful. We are going to check in with Justin again soon. Until then, we'll leave you with this piece of life advice from an almost 28-year-old guy with stage 4 cancer. Definitely raising my cholesterol while I'm in Buffalo because they have really good food. And also, like, fuck it. like <laughs> Exactly. You only live once. I mean, come on. One in Buffalo, you don't eat salads. I'm just going to... Eat a goddamn hot dog, okay, Justin? Yeah, Friday we got a good report in Boston, and I'm like, first thing we went and did was walk straight to the North End, which is really amazing Italian food. And I'm like, I just got a good report. I have high cholesterol. Let's eat pasta. Not worry about it. The little things in life when you're living two weeks at a time, you know? We don't look at the big picture. I think you do a pretty good job with the big picture. I feel like the big picture is just all the little pictures added up, so. Yeah, it is. And putting travel insurance on every single hotel you ever book. And people are like, why are you putting travel insurance on a hotel in You're going on a trip in three weeks. I'm like, maybe. I'm maybe going on that trip. This has been terrible. Thanks for asking. I'm Nora McNerney. Our senior producer is Hans Buto. Our project manager is Hannah Meacock-Ross. Curtis Gilbert is, I, you know, I don't even know, did he listen to this episode? I don't think so, but, you know, I can't give the guy enough credit because he's just so wonderful to us. Thank you to Justin and Michelle for all of your work on this episode and for sharing your lives with us. Our music is by Joffrey Wilson, and we are a production of APM, American Public Media. Also, our friends at KQED in San Francisco let me pop in and record this. 
I'm waving. Hello. Um, while I was on uh, vacation with two tweens, taking them to their first concert, Kesha. Worth it. All right, that's it. One of the best parts about this show is that I always end it with a very strong conclusion. Also, every conversation. I'm just good at ending things. <laughs> oh, jeez.